0: family thank you for joining the master instructor roundtable this week I'm um, regional master instructor marty miller here with fellow regional master instructor my dear friend co-host miss wendy bats wendy how are you
1: i'm great marty how are you
0: great thanks i'm looking forward to the topic today because i think you know that this is something that i always hyper focused on is growth growth plans trying to get ahead in the industry see what trends are coming and i think that our role here with nasm is to not only bring out the science within the OPT model, but also really try to be those mentors or sounding boards for those individuals that have either started out or been in their career and really maybe have hit a plateau and really aren't sure where this industry is going.
1: No, I know you and I see that on Facebook often. Like, I feel like I'm struggling or I don't know if I made the right choice coming over. And it is a really hard field to be in because you have to be able to put a lot of time in. You have to put a lot of thought and effort into each and every one of your clients and their programs. But then it's like when you when you step back and you think of other careers, like, do you want to be in front of a computer sitting at a desk for eight to 12 hours a day or whatever it is that's going on? I mean, I think we're in this industry where we can truly impact people's lives. We can change them. We can help them with their fitness journeys or whatever their goals may be. But it's also a good reminder every once in a while to see that we are trending in a very upward um, position, especially if we're looking at what we're going to show you, the the results from 2012 to just even 2021. And, and, a, and of course, we're way above that so um, or past that. So I think this is going to be a really good one just just as a reminder. And sometimes looking at the stats, if you're one of like Marty and I kind of like to know about the research and want to know what's out there, I think it's a, it's a really good reminder for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to get into it and really see where things are going. So I'll let you kind of get us off on a good. That's what we're going to talk
1: about. We're literally looking at the growth of the industry. We're going to talk about the the trend, what we're seeing, the reasons why. And I think when we start really getting into the youth and adolescents, it's kind of scary to see what's happening, but it's also more. Unfortunately, opportunity, or or fortunately, depending on which way you want to look at it. Um, but then, too, just just maybe expanding what you're doing. If you're currently working with a certain population, and you're thinking about maybe finding another niche, maybe we can kind of spark something, knowing what uh, what we're seeing and kind of where the industry is going.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. And I think it's good to know. Really, do you understand the industry you're in, and what are those trends that you should be moving towards even before they really become mainstream?
1: Yes, indeed.
0: Excellent. So Wendy, I put this together and you're like, Marty, what are you trying to say here? (laughs) And I'm like, I'll I'll tell you on the podcast. But this really speaks to me because there are industries that you better know are coming to an end. And if you don't move out of it, you might be left behind, right? So imagine the early 1900s. And it's funny, I've always used this analogy, but I just started watching the show 1923 And it's truly that time where some people are still riding their horses through town and they're like, what are parking spots? Where do I put my, you know, tie up my horse? And they're thinking that no one's gonna ever want these cars, right? And there's people who are early adapters. So imagine if you were in the horse and buggy business and you're like, nah, no one's ever gonna want an automobile. Well, guess what? If you didn't start transitioning and making wheels for automobiles, you really may not have had a job, right? So I think that this is important to understand that The fitness industry is always adapting. We cannot go anywhere, right? Even with, Wendy, we've talked about this in other podcasts with Ozempic and all these other things, even with the magic pill, it still doesn't increase your cardiovascular output, still doesn't build muscle, et cetera. The good news is we are not a horse and buggy industry. We are an industry that's going to grow and adapt, but it's our responsibility to make sure that we as individuals don't do something that maybe keeps us stuck and limits our growth, limits our ability to enjoy the industry, because maybe we were a little slow to adapt.
1: Well, and I think, too, think about when the OPT model first came out. I mean, you know, we actually put it into, I say we, but Dr. Clark was the founder of the model. And when it was implemented into NASM in 2000, I mean, this is 24 years ago, and nobody knew what was going on with physio balls, the the foam rollers hadn't been brought into the fitness industry. And people looked at us like, what is happening? But you know what, look at what it is now. You see foam rollers all the time. We don't call it self-myofascial release anymore. It's self-myofascial technique because there's research. We actually say, you know what, I have my education in exercise science versus just going to the gym and looking for that one person that's pretty yoked and, you know, and that's what I want to look like, or that's who I want to train me because he's a fine looking piece of, of man that you know like whatever it may be like we've actually started to say okay what's the education what are their credentials what are we you know what is it that they can do to help me uh be able to become the you know the person that i want to who's going to help me achieve my goals and then there's the accountability standpoint we've talked a lot and marty you are i mean you did your doctorate on it the importance of just the cognitive part of it knowing that you need to be empathetic when somebody really needs you to be hard on them and so we've come a long way, just not even just the horse and buggy, but I mean, just through the model too, and the acceptance of programming individually and the whole assessment process mm-hmm. to get that person to their goal. Yeah,
0: you know, I mean, we'll keep moving forward. But one of the things, Wendy, that um, we you kind of uh, sparked something to me is when I did my doctorate, I remember we had a call with Dr. Clark and we were talking about education. And right afterwards, I'm like, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm going for my doctorate. And I didn't know the full why. It didn't matter to me. But I knew I wanted to be an early adapter within the industry and have a doctorate. And I've had mine for over 12 years now. And, and you know, and this isn't like a bragging thing, is that helped a lot of our other instructors and other people in the industry. You know, you see more people with a doctorate after their name now in the industry where when you and I started, you'd be lucky if you had a bachelor's degree. So yeah. that's hopefully maybe where I've been blessed is kind of always looking forward. And then that will come across in, in today's podcast.
1: I'm sure it is.
0: So but here's- yeah, go ahead. Yeah.
1: I mean, I was just going to say, you know what? The stats kind of speak for themselves. I mean, again, if you're a visual learner, look at the bar graph. If you want to just listen to me, that's great, especially if you're driving because you downloaded this podcast. Um, when you're looking at the recent stats, the personal training industry has seen growth in more than 50 percent. So from $8.5 billion, again, with a B in revenue, that was in 2012. There, You know, the forecast of $12.9 billion in 2021. Well, we're already in 2024. We know we've reached that. But this marks, you know, like a 5.4 increase in the industry from 12, 6 or 2016 to 21. And so just just if you're looking at 2021 alone, that's 2.2 growth just in one year. And I mean, again, with all the commercials out there, with all the gyms, there's gyms now almost on every I want to say almost in every corner. It's almost like a Starbucks. You can choose a women's only gym, a men's only gym. You can choose. That gyms with spas and get your nails done and massages. There's some with water slides. I mean, there's so many different varieties and variations out there that you just need to find what's right for you. But just know as a trainer, people need help. People want to just be told what to do and they don't want to think about it. And that's the beauty of what we can do. Let us think about it. Let us look look at the science. Let us look at your goals and then let us program for you. And I think that's the way that you sell your services. But you've got to understand, you know, we're on the rise. They need us. But you have to also be assertive, too.
0: Yeah, And for me, working in that industry, so you're telling me if there's, let's say, 14 billion by now. I don't mind being a very small uh, fish in that incredibly large pond how do I not make $100,000, $200,000, $300,000, whatever those goals are. And we've talked about other things in other podcasts and how to establish those goals. But you should be able to find uh, you know, a small piece of that, which ends up being a large piece for you and living the lifestyle you want.
1: Yeah. You just have to know what you want. Another so if we look at the demographics again, if we're looking at individuals that are aged from 45 to 54 um, 30 and then again from 35 to 44 make up the largest segments of 28% and then 26.2 respectively. So collectively, these individuals contribute 54.2% of the industry revenue. So Guys, think about how many people are walking through the doors of your gym. We're not talking about your seniors, we're not talking about your youth. This is just the middle-aged people that are working, they're, you know, they have families and so that's a huge portion of that. And especially if you're in the gym, what is your downtime? If so, maybe there's women that have children that that's the time you can bring those guys in, you can do different type of group sessions. There's so many different things out there, but you have to know what are the demographics that you live in too and then where can you then enhance your low hours if you need to um, in order to bring more people in. So, you know, when you're looking at the individuals age 55 and older, that's the 23.4 of the demand and the individuals that are 18 to 34, they contribute 16.8%. And then of course the individuals from the ages of 18, um, they make up about, you know, 5.6 of the demand. So, so we're going to continue on, especially with the the younger group, but I think, too, think about the baby boomers, think about the, the, the um, seniors, work out. And I've even told people this. If you really want to work with seniors, go to some of these assisted living places or, or work deals out with so many of these different corporations because they want people like you to come in and they'll pay you a flat rate to come and give a session to anyone that wants to join. So it's something that you can schedule and it makes it easy.
0: Yeah, and Wendy, you know, building off what you said with all that, which was incredibly accurate and insightful, is my mind started going, okay, what unique specialization or what unique offering could I do to communicate to each uh, generation? You don't communicate the same to every generation. There, of course, is going to be some crossover, but I might look at, you know, this type of programming for this generation. I may need to market myself and communicate the way this generation wants to hear. Or if I'm on social media, it's going to connect with these people. So you have to have a little bit of a business mindset in marketing mindset, but then you tie that back to your growth plan on education. So if you see, let's you know, look right here, the largest group is 45 to 54 and 35 to 44. So 35 to 55, I would have to sit and say, okay, if that's the, you know, the biggest group of people, 54.2%, if I'm not speaking to them with what I offer, I'm already down to 48.8% of the, or 45.8% uh, of the people that I can market. So these are the type of things that you can look at and make sure that your skills match up or you have layers of skills that can go across each generation.
1: Well, and I think that's actually a really, uh, you keep saying stuff and we're like, oh, that sparked something else. Well, look at the other piece of the pie too. Again, you know, we're looking at Marty kind of our age and we're the ones that go into the gym. A lot of times we don't have to, we already kind of had the motivation to go in because we we read constantly. We're seeing the news. We're pretty active in the community, especially if you have children or at, Marty, now you grandchildren, but we kind of know what's going on when you're going into to the gym. But if you're wanting to work and I keep going back to the seniors, they contribute 23.4%. They're not going to be on social media they aren't they don't like social media i know i mean people i have a lady that's like my second mom she's 70 she hates technology she's like every time i get on it i break it i can't get my phone to work i you know i can't get my voicemails or i can't turn my computer on a lot of these individuals don't like that so if you're marketing to seniors over social media they may not be the one that's seeing it or if so they're still on facebook which i know now people are like facebook's kind of for the older people um you know, that's fine. But just know that you're going to have to market differently to that. And you better believe if they're 18 or younger, they only care about text messages and they only care about Instagram and they only care about all the other like newer technology that's out there. So you kind of have to to figure out what's your niche. And then like to your point, Marty, you have to have a different plan for each one.
0: Love it. Great points, Wendy. So here, when you look at some more trends, industry growth is expected to continue its rising trend. So we're looking here, forecast increase, analyze rate of 1.4, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're already at the billions, right? So next year or two, we're going to hit, let's round up to $14 billion. So, you know, you can see here, we put in the reference uh, where we got this traineracademy.org, personal training, industry statistics. So it's just some certain things, leisure and sports. So again, I love playing pickleball. So can you specialize in that? Then you've got you know niche markets. So you might work as a corrective exercise specialist like yourself, Wendy, or other things. Health consciousness. We know longevity is coming. So are you studying that? What are the new opportunities? Are there going to be new segments? And then consumer disposable income. So these are the type of things that we have to look at as our industry trends. We're not going to dive into each one of these here, but it's just a mindset of this is how I'm going to map out my success plan within an industry that's growing at a rapid rate.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I actually had a client this morning that sent me two, because he knows that I love it, but two research articles about Pickleball, Marty. That's what triggered that. Um, And he was showing us like the the increase in injuries. We know this, we're seeing it. You know, it's wonderful because our um, advanced uh, aged individuals. So I don't want to call them seniors anymore because we call them active older adults, but, um, they're getting out there and they're playing. However, a lot of times people haven't been working out. They haven't been going to the gym. They don't know anything about foam rolling. They don't know anything about anything about stretching. They do some of the old school stretches. Then they go out and try to play pickleball and they're rotating and moving in three planes of motion. And the interesting fact that I read was um, it was about 28% of males that are getting injured and 28% of the females. So there's actually a 50-50 on, there's not like women are getting more injured or men are, it's actual actually even because of the demand of the sport themselves and because now they're rotating and doing things that their body's not used to doing because they haven't been in the gym. Right.
0: And Wendy, please send those articles, just as a f- shameless plug at Idea World this year, I'm doing one on pickleball and the OPT model. There you so, go. <laughs> and the biggest thing is they don't like to backpedal, so I'll leave it at that. So yeah. we'll, we'll keep moving forward here on today's topic. If you're just joining in, Marty Miller here with my co-host, Wendy Batts, and we're talking about growth industry within that industry here in fitness and how you can understand these numbers, but use that as you, a success plan so that way you make sure you grow as the industry grows. So Wendy, I know you're very passionate about this, I will turn it over to you here.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I'm passionate about it because back in the day, Marty, was when we first started teaching, and again, this was over 20 years ago, guys, you know, we were always talking about, you know, type 2 di- uh, diabetes. And, you know, unfortunately, we're seeing this in, in our parents and we're seeing, you know, these elderly individuals coming up with type 2 diabetes. And then it was like a huge switch of, wait a minute, it's really not about older adults that are getting type two diabetes, we're seeing this more and more in children. And so because of that, we're looking at the obesity rates in children and unfortunately it's on the rise. And and so the more that we start looking at this and we're looking at the reasons and rationales why, number one, kids aren't getting outside to play as much, which unfortunately we're gonna see that when we see this turntable on the next slide. But if you just look at the statistics only, like the children are accounting for 5.6 of the industry's revenue at the moment. However, like when you're looking at it too, and you're looking at the CDC stats, childhood childhood obesity is affected and is estimated 18.5% of, or again, 13.7 or 13.7 million children and teens. So that's almost like tripled within the last 30 years. So we're seeing this of what's happening. And so when you're looking at these statistics, second grade, 22.3%, and then you're above like what their normal weight status should be. And again, this isn't something that I say, Oh, your child should weigh this to be healthy. This is something that it's coming out saying if your child, you know, they have the growth chart every time you go to the doctor with your kid. Um, when you're looking at these and you're seeing the, the numbers go up, it is like by 11th grade, 24.6% of, the, of percentages of children that are obese in the different grades. And then they want to know why people are getting bullied and why depression is so much or there's so many things happening, and right. so if you have that niche of working with children, you have a way of changing someone for the like their mental health, their physical health, and also you know helping them just in life because that's not an easy stat to have or well, one anyway.
0: A couple of things that I saw when I was doing my doctorate. So the numbers are worse. Remember, we're talking about obese. We're not talking about overweight. So double yeah. that. Okay. So, 50% yeah. of the kids are basically overweight or obese, one of the two categories, right? It's not like obese or fit. So, this is the extreme. The other thing, too, is there's a huge ind- indicator. This was years ago, but I, I guarantee it hasn't gotten better. That if you were obese or overweight, I can't remember by 13, 85% chance you were now of that for life. Then you correlate that into income, not even close, right? What has what trajectory the depression, the anxiety, the bullying, et cetera. So here's the trick though. If you're dealing with a person or parent and you've not met their kids, the biggest indicator of an obese child would be an obese parent. So if you're dealing with an obese parent and you haven't met their kids at some point, there will be an opportunity to have the conversation where now this maybe becomes a family activity, right? They may not be thinking that way yet, but One, it's great for a kid to see their parent work out because kids mirror what they see. But that is another opportunity to kind of go in there for the right intentions. You might get another customer out of it. But just understand that behind an obese parent, there's probably an obese child, statistically speaking. Not always. But if you're going to go over 50%, it's probably pretty good.
1: Yeah. And so when you look at the next slide, I mean, that's this is the one that is just it tears at my heart because it is a vicious cycle. And like you said, you know, sometimes when you're looking at the parents and then it's trickling down and then it trickles down, but you've got to think of what's causing all of this. And so when you're looking at children right now, and I, and again, I'm facing this, my child is going to be eight in a month. And, which I cannot believe I'm saying, but going to be eight. And he's like all about gaming. Everybody around him, they want to get on these different games. They want to play together. You know, he's like, oh, I can't wait. And we're having, I am asking about his day at school and what they're doing. And because it was raining PE, they're on the computers, So they have indoor PD or PE, but instead of running around indoors, they actually play games where they're running around on the video games, but they're not doing anything besides sitting there playing these games. And so, you know, it's kind of disheartening. Unfortunately, that's kind of the way that it is. But if you continue to look through the cycle, you've got the young people that are playing the games, they continue to do that. So then they're mildly obese as a child. Then you're trying to get them to work out or do things. You see this this one image here, the kid doesn't want to climb the stairs. Then you're saying, okay, now they don't want to climb the stairs. They don't want to go outside and play. They're really kind of not motivated. They become more moderately obese because there's just no motivation to get outside. They're not involved in any kind of extra activities outside. The parents aren't outside playing with them. So then you're getting into more of the severely obese children where again, this is where you're starting to see some of the breakdown. That's the anxiety. That's the depression. That's where they start to kind of seclude themselves from from wanting to go out and do things with their friends. Or maybe they're not being included, which unfortunately has nothing to do with the child's personality. It may just be around the people that they're with. And so when you when you have that vicious cycle, you start that way and it goes around and around. Unfortunately, when you're as an adult, that's when you get all your heart diseases. You start to end up having a lot of health issues. So it's one of those things you want to break it early. But unfortunately, if you don't, this is what the trend that we're seeing. And again, I didn't pull this. This is something that was given to us. But, you know, the majority of today's children will have obesity or be obese by the age of 35 if they start at a young age.
0: Yeah, Wendy, I mean, you you, do. Said it so eloquently, there's not much I can add. I don't know if I
1: did or not. I'm just saying.
0: again, it's just something we know, but sometimes it's a good reminder for us. But at the end of the day, all of us got in this industry to help people. Um, I wanted, of course, want to work in pro sports and all that. But let's, let's be honest. If we can change the trajectory of someone's life, that's what's important. And I think that we have an opportunity to do a kind of a mental reset and focus on part of this growth industry is can we just carve out a little bit of that niche even, and just know that we're doing good within that next generation. So you covered it amazingly. I think we, we've we hopefully proven the point here that we have to attack this generation in the right ways, right methods, and hopefully we'll see a difference on that curve eventually. Yeah. So I'll jump in here. So some scary statistics, you know, when you look at uh, median pay, et cetera, number of jobs, you know, here's the good news is there's jobs out there, and it's going to continue to grow. So job outlook for 2022 to 2032, 14%, much faster than average. So that's scary good. That's what we mean by that. Now, when you look at the median pay, anywhere from, you know, 20, 22 bucks an hour, which is about 45,000 a year, that is hard to say, well, wait, I want to make more than that. I think those positions tend to be set positions where you're taking a job and you're getting paid, like whether you're an assistant, maybe within a physical therapy center or working at a structured facility. We know personal trainers that are easily making 65,000 all the way up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. But we back lay that on the fact that you could do this with a high school diploma or equivalent, right? Now you're starting to look at, it's not even costing me much to get into this industry. Now, Wendy and I will always be a big fan. We're both, uh, I'm an adjunct professor. She's a full professor at Penn West University. As I said, I got my doctorate. We're always going to push the envelope of education if you have the time and ability to do so. Nothing ever comes bad from getting those credentials, degrees, et cetera. You're separating yourself from the rest of the pack. But you can have a nice career without having to go into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt with some of the other educations out there short term on the job training and you know like we said 14% growth that is phenomenal so our industry is primed ready for expansion and that just means that we're going to be able to help more people and earn a nice living while we do it
1: absolutely and, and we always hear Marty you and I get this all the time and I and I love these questions but it, you Ken and I were talking about this on one random fit podcast because we have you know, Kat Bearfield, who's a dietitian, joins us, a registered dietitian. She joins us often. And every time I ask her a question, she always says, Well, Wendy, it depends. It depends. It depends. Well, Marty and I get the question. Well, how much should i charge an hour if i'm going to do one-on-one in my area how much should i charge and my answer is going to be just like kat and and most other people when this they get this question is it depends and this is where the business side of you needs to come out because there's a bunch of business courses that you can take i know we offer them at our university and i've actually taught this you've got to look at your area what is the going rate what are other personal train, trainers charging? What kind of degrees do they have? What kind of certifications do they have? What is their niche? And then look at what they're doing and what you're doing and then kind of how you see yourself and then and then determine, okay, the average in my area might be $100 an hour making this up. But if you have more education and you have these specializations and you have a specific niche that makes you separate, you can go higher if it makes sense, and you have the experience, the expertise, you have mentors and people that are gonna help you with that. Or if you're just starting, maybe you're a little bit lower until you get your your hands wet, but don't go too low because you don't wanna also be the cheapest. And so I think it's important for you to kind of do your research, look at your business plan, Know that there's growth in so many different areas, but you also have to be passionate about it because you have to spend a lot of hours doing it in order to get yourself to a level that you want to be to separate yourself from all the other people that are in your in your industry.
0: Um, great point, Wendy. Couldn't agree with that any more than that. So wonderful. So, you know, we've gone through a lot and I I'm, I love this topic because I'm excited about our industry. And I'm excited about our industry because I don't plan on leaving it anytime soon. I'm excited about it because it's given me so many different opportunities. As you know, Wendy, I just started a whole new uh, journey in my career with a new company from a technology standpoint. So opportunities continue to show up. So the key thing here, the fitness industry is showing great growth. So let's ride that wave, find what we want to do, have a success plan that maps out also how you can you know, show your personal growth within the industry. And, you know, can you make an impact or I'm going to say maybe I should rephrase it. I am the one that create this is how can you make an impact? It's not can you. OK, that's a mistake on my part. It's how can you make an impact or how do you want to make an impact? And then we're in the middle of a healthcare crisis. How can we be the leaders in making that big impact? So those are hopefully three takeaways that you get from today's podcast. Mm hmm.
1: Well said. Well, Marty, I was, you know, I, I like it when you're like, we're going to talk about this because again, I know you're super passionate about it. This does kind of bring out the the kind of geekier business side of both of us a little bit because we've been there. We've been on the trenches of just starting out trying to figure and find our own way. Again, if you're new to, you know, to NASM, there are so many different resources that you have and people you can reach out to, but get your education, find your niche, look at your surrounding areas, and you can be super, super successful. Um, But if you have specific questions for myself, you can always email me at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13.
0: And my information is coming right here. Instagram dr.martymiller72. And then my email marty.miller at nasm.org. So for all of you that joined us today, thank you so much. Please remember, NASM does a great job with multiple podcasts, so make sure you go to anywhere that you will follow podcasts, not only the Master Instructor Roundtable, but there's many more to continue to gather great information from so many leaders within the NASM umbrella. So for all of you that joined us today, thank you. And of course, we look forward to seeing you again next week on the Master Instructor Roundtable.